StrawCraft Coffee is rich CBD-infused coffee that you can now purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig, if that's what you're into. They also have whole bean or ground beans as well. You can purchase online for 20% off when you use code DNVR20. And if you're not sure you want it or not, you can try it at a couple of places around town. The Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market all carry Strava, so be sure to check them out. And when you do inevitably enjoy it, order some for yourself. The CBD is a non-psychoactive, and it's been long known to help with long-term migraines, decreasing anxiety, helping with arthritis, IBS, and many other things as well. So just remember to use code DNVR20 when you go online and purchase. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Davidson's has a gigantic variety of beers for you to try, as well as wines and liquors as well. Go online, download their app today, and you can get some great deals when you sign up for their loyalty program and even get your beer delivered. Davidson's has some of the best offers around when you look at that app for deals of the day and things like that and you can even request specific products to be ordered into the store so you can get literally anything that you want with the stadium series game coming up tomorrow they are the perfect place to order your booze and be ready to party Let's get into this show. I'm Nathan Rudolph, he's AJ Hayfley. We are here after the Avs took a bit of a tough loss to the Washington Capitals, having a third period lead and ending up coming up short, giving up two goals in the last 10 minutes of the game. Nonetheless, I think there's a lot of concern in the fan base, and I don't think AJ and I are worried at all. AJ, do you agree? Uh, I would agree that I am not worried, yeah. Cool, because there were the entire first half of this game, honestly, was borderline domination from the abs. They were in the driver's seat all the way here. And then the special teams thing started happening, basically. Uh, yeah, they would. We saw a great example of exactly who Colorado is last night in that they are a team that can dominate anybody at 5v5. On any given night, they can just trash teams at even strength. They just can. They're just that good. And on the flip side, their special teams can let teams right back in it. Yep. That's just top to bottom, I think, that that sums it up. And obviously, the special teams is an issue that's going to need some work, be it not scoring on the 5-on-3 
honestly just straight up taking too many penalties and then giving up two out of five power play goals to Washington there. We already knew that. We already knew that the Avs penalty kill in particular has struggled quite a bit lately. So watching that game and trying to take other things out of this, again, the first and second period, not particularly worried about. The third period did feel a little bit sloppy, maybe a little bit overly safe to me. Do you agree? Um, I wouldn't say safe. I would disagree with safe. Sloppy, absolutely. I, I just don't. I don't think they played well in the third period until the game was tied. Yeah. Once once with the, the Wilson Tippin uh went in, that's the only time. The immediate like next like three minutes was the only time in the third period I thought the Avs played well in that period. Yeah, they did have a very strong pushback initially after the game did get tied up. Um ultimately they end up following. You mentioned you mentioned the Wilson Tippin goal. The game winning goal was also a d- tip in as well. So Pretty dang hard to blame Grubauer at all for this one, as no goalie is stopping those shots. Oh, and he was great. Yep. Like, he, that's that's one where you, if all you do is boil his performance down to a box score, you don't get, you're not going to get it. For sure. He definitely added a number of very good saves. I mean, Ovechkin didn't even record a point in this game. I think that speaks for itself. But and honestly, Colorado neutralized him. They did. He had uh, a great scoring chance early on in the first period. Uh, Grubauer uh, poke checked it away, and after that, like his only real scoring chance was on that very last power play that they had, where he finally got off uh, one of those uh, big one timers that he's known for. Otherwise, yep. otherwise he he played possum the whole game. He was their decoy, and like, I mean, it, it worked out because yeah, with Washington's power play, which is it's odd, is right ahead of Colorado's in the rankings. Um, so it's not exceptional in terms of its its percentage and its execution, but it looked good last night because they played pick your poison. Uh, yeah. You know, they had Ovechkin on one side and they said, all right, are you going to leave him open and let him do his thing? And they said, no, we don't want to do that. And so as Bedner pointed out post game, like you're at four and five, you've got to give something up. And they executed and Colorado did not on the penalty kill. And last night, last night was about as frustrating as it gets uh, for the penalty kill, in my opinion, because there were entire power plays where the Avs PK dominated. Like cleared pucks, didn't give up opportunities, no no great scoring chances. It was exactly what you would have wanted. It was it was they just played really, really well. And you just gave them enough you gave them, gave them enough opportunities that they uh they were able to work their way through and eventually beat Grubauer on a tip and you know, and then the the game winning tip was nonsense. T.J. Oshie didn't even mean to do it. He I mean, yeah, it, he it said was a after double the deflection, game. right? Like, he said after he, the game, he was like, "Oh, I just put my stick out there. I had no, I don't know how it went in. I didn't. I wasn't trying to do anything. I just put my stick out there, hoping that it would hit something, and it did. And like to lose like that sucks. It sucks. 
like to play as well as they did overall and to lose on a play where the guy admittedly is just hoping something good happens for him. That sucks. It it does. It's, it's also just the reality of hockey. Sometimes that's the way the bounces yeah, go. Absolutely. That's exactly what I wrote in my takeaways last night is that, you know, you can, you can do, you can do exactly that. You can put your stick out there and you can hope for something good to happen. And sometimes it will. And yep. that's just how it goes. Like, you look back to last season. You remember Landeskog, uh, the game in New Jersey when he had the hat trick? Yeah, the flying tip in, basically. Right. <laughs> he got cross-checked in the back, and he's falling down. And yep. he just stuck his stick out there, and it and it hit it, and it went in. And, like, that's hockey. Like, sometimes that's that's what you're trying to do. That's what he's trying to accomplish is he put his stick out there. He was hoping that it would get that kind of a deflection. The perfect tip, the one out of, you know, however many, I, I don't want to say a million because guys score those goals every night, but like the one out of every 400 shots where they work out that way. And it happened twice in six minutes or whatever it was for, for the caps. And there's nothing Grubauer can do. And there's, I mean, there's not even really anything that you want to say that the, the abs defense can do differently. Oh, they should be tying up the stick. They should be doing this. They should be, I mean, there's, you can always look at it and say there's things you could have done better, but realistically in the moment, like, yeah, very hindsighty for don't, sure. Don't let it get to that point like that, especially on the game winning goal. They just didn't play well in their own zone. They, they overskated pucks. They lost every single puck battle. They weren't outnumbered. They just got beat. And that Multiple was the frustrating part. Clear attempts, things like that. Yeah. yeah. And that was the frustrating part. It was a, it was a failed clear attempt right before, they scored. Yep. That helped lead it to it. And um, I I can't remember who it was that overskated that puck. But it got overskated and behind, behind the net before uh, it got passed out up high to Jensen. Uh, he just over he just over pursued. Had he stayed yeah. right there? Uh, had had he had he not had there not been over pursuit there? It would not have opened up that that passing lane and that opportunity for that pass to even exist. Yep it's it's just a tough spot, honestly. Where when you have a game like this, I do understand some of the frustrations, right? Because there were opportunities for the Avs to put this game away. They had a five on three in the second period to make this a three one game. That two-goal lead makes the third period a very, very different one for Washington. And they weren't able to put the game in that situation. And then the the parade of penalties, as it were, just kind of kept coming. And the Avs kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit, I would say, which has been a recurring problem for them. So I do understand where that's coming from. Let's but let's be honest about this though. That was a really poorly officiated game. It was. It was. And and there was frustration there because the Ian Cole penalty in the third period is garbage. Yeah. It's it's like it's a super ticky tacky thing that they call in November. Right. When they're trying to set a send set the tone and send a message of like this is how we're gonna do this this year, fellas. And then the very next shift, they kill it off. Gabe Landeskog goes out, goes into the corner with the puck and gets tripped, like blatantly tripped. And the way that I put it in my takeaways was 19,000 people saw it. The only two people who didn't think it was a penalty were the ones who had the decision to make. Well, 
I mean, here's the thing that, yeah, the Ian Cole one was particularly egregious, but there were multiple penalties in this game where I'm looking at this and going, you know what, in a world where the Avs are playing in late June, half of these penalties aren't getting called in a game. Maybe even this less is, than that, man. Like, right. Like, you're talking about only the most egregious of these penalties are the ones that they're calling. And it, it's just silly to, to have that big of a difference where you're probably looking at this as a one nothing game played at 5-on-5 five five where the Avs have been dominant all year long instead of this mess where well over a period of this game was spent on special teams. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue against. I mean, it's, it's projecting because you're like, playoff hockey, and then you'll get into a playoff game and you'll have like nine penalty gets called, nine penalties get called. And you're like, what the hell is going on here? But right. even that, like the, the frustration of last night with the, the officiating was that it felt like the abs were getting called for very ticky tech stuff. Or penalties that didn't exist, like in the case of Tyson well, Jost's high stick. Right. And, and this always comes back to, at the end of the day, you just want consistency within the game from yeah. the refs. You just want everything to be called the same for the entire length of the game. It's, it's a hard listen. job. It's imperfect. And everybody knows that. Yep. But you want, you do. Like, you. the goal is absolutely, you just want... To feel like if we just saw that penalty two minutes ago, it's still a it, penalty. It, yeah. It's right. Like you said, it was a penalty. It needs yep. to stay a damn penalty. And it was frustrating last night because that did not feel like the case. Not one bit. It 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 felt like one team was getting nickel and dimed, and it and I and I don't think that. Um. Uh, I don't I don't feel like any of Washington's were especially cheap. Yeah. I'm trying to think back through them and like the last one that they called that put them on the five on three, they had to call. They don't yeah, have a choice. It's the dumbest penalty in the league, but it's I, a penalty. <laughs> I hate it. And like part of me is like no team should ever be allowed to score on delay of game penalties until they realize it's a stupid rule. But it's fine. I'm not going to win that war. We don't need to get into this again. It's just frustrating when you see that. And and it's frustrating after the game when players are pissed. I want to talk real quick before we get out of here about that yeah. locker room. Because I have been in a lot of post-game locker rooms after a lot of brutal losses. And some come-from-ahead losses, too. Kind of like last night's. But... Last night might be as quiet as I ever remember that locker room. They were pissed. Like, there was a palpable anger. I wanted to talk to Landy, and he kind of shook me off when I when I kind of, like, made eye contact and was like, hey, you know, can I chat you up for a minute? And he was, it was kind of the, give me a minute. Give me a minute, or I'm going to meme myself because I'm going to say something. And... He he did he almost did anyway. Lord Jabara asked him and said, "Hey, what was what do you think helped change the momentum?" And he said, "Penalties." And then there was a long pause, and then he continued and he said, "I've got to bite my tongue because I'm going to say something I shouldn't." 
but it was in, you know, essentially it boiled down to, in my opinion, penalties turned that game around for them. And if we're being honest and the NHL cannot find me, so I can be honest. I think this has been a thing over the last couple of games. Now the Avs have won before the Washington game, the last few, but there have been some truly brutal calls over the last couple of games building up and it culminating in this loss to the Capitals can definitely see how it would be in the Avs head. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. Like they were frustrated. You could feel it after that game got tied. You could just feel one of them thinking, you know, great. Did you guys get what you want? Can we, can we play, go back to playing five on five or are you guys going to keep nickel and diming us? Yeah. You know, like it, you could just, and it was funny because the guy that I was watching where I, I sensed the most frustration was Sam Gerrard because he was just, it was all the little micro things after the whistle. He was skating around. He was slamming his stick a little bit. He just looked, he looked fed up for a guy that doesn't let very much bother him ever. He looked completely fed up. And it's gotta be tough, right? For someone like him who plays very little on special teams, does not PK at all is now on the second power play unit that barely mm -hmm. played on the night. Yeah. So, you know, his rhythm is going to get messed up by that significantly when he's sitting there. Yep. You know, and uh, they go power play to, to penalty kill and penalty kill to power play. And it's back and forth. And you don't know what you're able to do in your own zone because some stuff has gotten called and other things have been totally let go. You have no, I really like good concept of like what you're allowed to do. Right. And that's particularly tough on defensemen, right? Because there's no tone set on what they can get away with when it comes to knocking pucks loose and players off pucks and things. Definitely. And like, I absolutely don't want somebody to be sitting here and listening to this thinking that you and I are saying the officials lost that game for Colorado because that's not what happened, but it's not. It's it's not a cop out, and I I said this on Twitter last night because I'm I'm kind of over this. It's not a cop out. It's not an excuse to say that officiating played a role in the outcome. Yes, they still have to go out and play, but it's also like it's like you go back to the playoff series against San Jose last year. You want to act like that that called back goal did not have some sort of an emotional impact on that game. Like it got called back, and the team gets let down, and they're crushed, and they're feeling it. And they go out and they gave up the game-winning goal four minutes later. Like, it changes games. Those guys change games. The calls that they make and don't make have discernible impacts. It literally gives teams an advantage of number of players allowed on the playing surface. It changes games. And there were just, it was one too many last night. The abs got away with it. They'd gotten away through four through four power plays. They got away with it. They'd given up the one goal, and then they were out of there. And and you know it was just it was just one too many. And then they get they get two you know low percentage tips, and they walk out of there with two points. Yep. Man, it's kind of the way it goes. It's frustrating for sure. We'll get out of this first period here as 
Things like that certainly make me want to drink. And by the time y'all are listening to this, there's a good chance that AJ and I are down at Blake Street Tavern enjoying a Breckenridge brew, the official beer of DNBR. Highly recommend you come on down and, and give it a try, whether it be hanging out with us today at the next Avs Watch Party, which is on the 22nd, or just go on to the Breck Brew website and use their Breck Brew locator. You can find their beer anywhere near you, whatever type of beer that you are looking for from them. All you have to do is search it up and they'll tell you where to go. So be sure to give that a try as well. Whichever beer suits your fancy, be it the Agave Wheat, the Avalanche Amber is always an easy one, or their new Mile High City beer. All of them are good. You know I love them, but try them for yourself and figure out which ones you like by using that beer locator. Okay, there were a lot of negatives in that first period, but this is the second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. Let's talk about a positive here. First off, the Avs' new top line, adding Andre Burakovsky to McKinnon and Rantanen, came into this game and did exactly what they needed to do. They carried the Avs. I think Miko Rantanen in particular looks dominant through large stretches of this game. They gave the Avs a 2-0 lead. You have to like that. That feels like both McKinnon and Rantanen getting on the track that the Avs need them to be for the last two months of the season? Uh, I think they've really found something with this trio. Yeah. Um, because Burakovsky's um, a much better playmaker than I realized. Yeah, I've been talking about that for a month now. <laughs> like, he has a knack for it, man. Yeah, he likes the the, the kind of uh, stop and pull up and fly by Top Gun-ish. Yeah, uh, the kind of the thing that Mac does every time he exactly that McKinnon really likes to open up that ice because he sees it really well. The way that he processes the game, yep. he sees the flow of of all of the action really well, and you know that because he almost always makes uh, a pass to an open guy or a decision that maybe if he executes it better leads to a scoring chance immediately after. It's really. Uh, and when you consider that Graves and McCarr, the D pair so frequently out there with those guys, uh, that's a lot. That's, that's four guys on the ice that you want definitely shooting the puck and a fifth in Graves where you trust his decision-making. Yep. I actually did a, the tape last week about that a little bit on Burakovsky becoming, or was that two weeks? I don't know. Either way, he's a very, very yeah, solid playmaker week. off the wall. It was the last um, tape before the one you released on yeah, Thursday. Yeah, before the, the one about tipping goals that ruined the abs. So. Yeah, right, which <laughs> turned out to be quite prescient. Yeah. <laughs> so, oops, my bad on that one. But the new nine line, or whatever you want to call it, is Burkowski, is uh, 95 himself, has come together very nicely, particularly... Burkowski's playmaking is great. Rantanen, I think, is the one that is starting to drive the Avs' power play a little bit as they do yep. now pick up another power play goal in this game. Yes, they came up short in the five-on-three. We can get to that in a bit. They score on their first power play opportunity in this game, and that was a big goal for them. Mm -hmm. That gave them an opportunity to run with a lead for the vast majority of this game. So... Coming off of Rantanen's stick, 
who I, I I find it hard to describe just how much of a difference in Ranton's game there's been. Maybe that should be my next tape because he's doing things that he just wasn't before, cutting to the middle of the ice, challenging defenders, and it's just fun hockey to watch, straight up. Yeah, very fun. So, I, you know, I don't know if this is because he finally feels 100% or he got out of his own head or what, but whatever he's doing, he needs to keep doing it. Um, McKinnon continues to be a guy this year, I think, that makes the players around him better. Not only is he a superstar, he's elevating the players on his line to his level. And that's how you win cups. I mean, that's is what he, players like Crosby does. Is he is he elevating them? Yes. Okay. You don't believe so? No, I just wanted you to say it again. Okay, gotcha. I just wanted emphasis because he's so special. Like... We almost are taking this for granted, I think, because we see it every day now. Right. And I wrote in my takeaways last night, and I'm sorry to keep I keep pumping those. I'm just I'm right a lot in those. That's all it is. You're um, pumping all of our articles. So, in this so, one totally kidding. Um, <laughs> but like what I had written was that it feels like this is early season McKinnon, where yeah. he's producing points, but he's not dominating the way that he was before the All Star break. Right. And. I wonder if that has also dawned on Miko a little bit where he's like, I need to step this up. I'm better than this. Nate needs Nate needs more, a little bit more help. Nate deserves all the help in the world because he has been incredible this year in carrying us. I need to get to my level. And if he gets to that level, and we keep saying this, like if these couple of things happen, the abs could be crazy good. But it's true. Like if, if McKinnon and Rantanen each get to their 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 highest levels at the same time, with any consistency, not just for a game or second game, you know, any kind of any kind of like real stretch, say five plus games, they're going to be nasty. And if it happens in a playoff series, they're not losing that playoff. Yeah, series. that put it in the bin. That playoff series is done before it begins. If yeah, they're playing like, like that. It, and and then and then if Burakovsky if this if this trio can be legit, then we could be really talking about the Landeskog Kadri thing that I have been waiting for all season. Super duper convinced it's going to be really effective and it's really going to work. I I think that last night also kind of drove home that they could use one more guy. Yes. Uh, I 100% agree. I certainly now with Kadri on a, a, at least a month long timeline where he's going to be out. You look at the underlying numbers for that av second line. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Uh, that's what it, the av second line makes me feel like that right there. That sounded like a video game sneeze. <laughs> that sounded like something that they would have had on Final Fantasy VI back in the day. The like straight up soundbite taken directly from yeah. what a sneeze is supposed to right. sound like. like. The, like, and you could just like imagine like the little sprite like bouncing backwards, and like the four little like dots coming out of his face. Yep. And and then you know like the sound director on the game, he actually used some crazy combination of things to make that noise. <laughs> yeah. 
this is where he's my brain like, goes. I don't know. He's got like a piece of broccoli and he's like banging it against a metal tin or something. That's right. Like... It's, and it's like some insane combination where you're like, this guy's actually a genius. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, anyway, yeah, that sneeze is a good representation of how the Avs second line played at five on five in this game. Their underlying numbers, they got completely dominated in a game where the Avs were the significantly better team at five on five for most of the night. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit. Some of that is JT Comfer and to a lesser extent, Jonas Donskoy are just a little bit in over their heads when it comes to playing on that second line. But as Landis God continues to struggle as well, that line just feels a little bit lost without Kadri right now. It does. And last night, you know, they, they were able to get away with it against Ottawa without him. Yeah. Um, but last night was a really good, like, and, and like Washington did not have Kuznetsov as well. Right. So, it's not like they were full power either. Right. So both teams, it's just, both teams are missing a key component of their engines here. Um, but I, I think Kadri is just a little more important because the Avs, uh, I have only had him for such a short time that he's been such a difference maker for them to really solidify that forward core and bring them together. And he yeah. scored so many big goals this year. Yep. You go back and you look at the goals that he scored. It's not like he's scoring, you know, the fifth goal in, in a five, one game, you know, he's scoring the goals, the tie games, give them leads, things like that. Like he has been a big moment player for them. And they really missed that. And I think that's why last night, I think kind of pushed me towards if it's, if it's a cheap, cheap, like if it's, if it's a cost that you can live with, I think they need to start having the JG Pajot conversation seriously internally. Yeah, of course, as you said, it always comes down to cost there, but. They have to find a way to be able to beat good teams with Kadri out of the lineup in the immediate, right? Yeah, definitely. 100%. Like, 100%. I just think that they have the opportunity. Um, what I, what, what the reason I specifically mentioned Pajot or even, um, you know, when I, I brought up Eric Howla on our yeah. trade pod, our yeah. super popular trade pod, <laughs> um, uh, is that those guys could play 2C. They'd be a little in over their heads, but you're you're comfortable with them there for a couple weeks, and then would be very very good three C's once Kadri yeah. once Kadri comes back, and with Comfer, like I feel like we've done this with Comfer several times, right? It, where we've he gets been down burn. the road, <laughs> yeah, and like he's always lost he always lost that job to Carl Soderberg where they were just like it just he, we can't do it. You know, he has one good game every seven games where you're like, oh, maybe he can. And then six mediocre yeah. or worse. And you're like, well, it's not really working. And then you put him in the bottom six and you put him on a line that has a spark. And you're like, this is where he belongs. He's really effective at this. Yep. Yeah, so I, I think I think that was one of the other big takeaways that I had. Um, I the reason the reason I'm not obsessing about the special teams is because at this point, I just don't know what to do. Um, there's not a ton else left to try, is there? I honest, honestly, man, I've never felt more just kind of like 
I just shrug, man. Like, I don't Barring know what to do. A complete restructuring of their systems mid-season, which will not happen. What can you do? Yeah. It's just tough. Um, I don't even know. I'm sitting here and I'm just, I'm literally the shrug emoji right now. I just, right? <laughs> I just don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't have any answers. I, and you, we asked uh, Bedner about it last night and he said, look, we tried to take things away on the power play. We took, we took Ovechkin away. We took this away. We took that away. And they hit the backdoor pass, which we then denied the rest of the game. And then they got a tip in front. And he was like, look, it's 45. We can't stop everything. We have to give something away. And right now, every single time we give something away, it comes back to bite us. Yeah. And, you know, the, the obvious answer there is take less penalties. But at risk of getting into a circular argument here, we've already talked about that whole penalty situation. Right. So. Like, and yeah, like take less penalties. Be more disciplined. But knowing what they're going to call helps. Like, yep. But let's not to like reopen the can of worms, but like the Donskoy slashing. Cause there were people after the game that were in my mentions who were like, AJ, what's your problem with the officiating? Every one of those calls was the good one, except for the Jost one. And like, how'd you feel about Donskoy slash? Uh, I mean, to be honest, those, the slashing ones, especially, are the ones that I look at and go, there's no way that stuff gets called in the playoffs. That's see for me. I saw the Donskoy one live, and I literally said out loud to nobody, "That's slashing." And they called it, and I was like, "Okay." Well, I mean, it's slashing. I could also have seen where they would let it go because they do. Guys come down on sticks like that when they're trying to prevent them from making plays all the time. I forget it was before or after, but Comfort literally got his stick blasted out of his hands yeah. off of a slash. So. I remember, and and it broke it because he couldn't pick it up. Yep. And he, that so. was when he was in the corner and he's like trying to kick the puck to somebody. Yep. And it was like, dude. It was no consistency. Yeah. And that's that's where the frustration really comes in. Not that it's not so much that like what Donskoy did was not a slash. It's just that you set the bar when you make that call. But when you make that call for the first time all game in the third period, it's like, dude. Yeah. I guess and this then, was in the second period. Was it? Yeah, oh, yeah. It was the end of the yeah, second. Because right, Cole, right. Cole's, it was Cole and Burakovsky's high stick. Yep. Speaking of high sticks, the refs have missed a lot of those calls as it tends to be a player smacking himself in the face or a teammate, perhaps, well, and, which... And- the frustration there is that we know 10 seconds after that penalty has been called, we yep. watch the replay, it gets slowed down, and we know that that's not a penalty. And that's yep. one where you're like, why is there not more logic involved in somebody being like, hey, alert the official. This process using a TV replay has informed all of our viewers that this is not a penalty and that we are changing the course of this game with a made-up call. In situations like that, this is something we did talk about before as well. But when it takes 20 seconds to fix the problem or less, mm-hmm. it's not that delay of game that you're running into with other reviews. It, you know, you're not splitting hairs with this one. It's Yeah, you don't need to go to the video monitor. You just need somebody yep. that is watching the game and, you know, kind of like how the NFL does it, where they like buzz down to the official and they're like, hey, we yeah. have a problem. 
and just then immediately he, radio in. Right, and then he skates over to the box, picks up the phone, and they say, hey, that wasn't a high stick. He hit himself in the penalty. Get that guy out of there. Drop it at center ice and go back to 5v5. Yep. And we're Super done. Easy. He, doesn't have to, easy. he doesn't have to fire up an iPad, doesn't have to take a look at it. There's somebody keeping watch where they're just like, hey, that's not a penalty, and then we move on. That's what I'm for. We got to get out of this second period, though. And with all those players hitting each other in the face with their sticks, they might need Green Mountain Dental Group, who is here in Lakewood. And they're the best family-owned dentist in the metro area. Plus, they're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. When you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, they will hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. They treat you like family. They'll send you birthday cards. They just want to take care of you and make sure you are taking care of your teeth. And they're just 15 minutes from downtown Denver, so really convenient to drop by and get your dental work done. Again, you can get a free Sonicare electric toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam with Green Mountain Dental. Get on it today. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ. Yes, the Avs snapped their five-game winning streak, dropping this game to Washington. Sure, there's been a lot of negativity going on here, but when you look at the big picture, even with this loss, the Avs still have a game in hand on St. Louis and are just two points back. So that game in hand could be equal a tie between these two teams, which the Avs essentially own every single tiebreaker in that matchup, except for the head-to-head, which we, they will have a chance to make a wash at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. They stay ahead of Dallas by a point, also have a game in hand. They're now eight points away from the bottom wild card spot, very locked into a playoff spot as well. And they sit with a schedule that we've talked about Sure, there's a handful of tough games coming up over the next week and a half or so, but then they get to run through March with a lot of easy teams to play. So at the end of the day, it's one loss. The abs are eight and two in their last 10. And you just hope that the team continues to feel their mojo a little bit and that this loss isn't that big of a deal. It really shouldn't be. Yep. If anything, this should be one of those heartening losses where you're like we can we belong on the ice with those guys right this is the third best team in the league by points the Avs led 48 minutes of the hockey game probably should have won the game you got to feel pretty good about that in the grand scheme that you just went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the league yeah when you talk about so there was a lot of this like abs aren't contenders talk after the game last night, which happens after every game they lose. So whatever. But when you talk about the difference being like that one goal, like that's yep. the, to me, like that's like saying that the abs didn't belong in the second round last year because they lost in game seven. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I think it's a little bit silly to, to say anything to that regard. Just because, I mean, look at this team. Look at the teams they've beaten this year already. Even, let's say they got blown out 7-1 to by Washington. It still doesn't matter because of the resume they've put together. Right. So, you know. If if they beat the Islanders next week, I think they will have at least guaranteed themselves a split or better with 
every uh, Eastern Conference playoff team. Yeah. So I, I guess, well, yeah, because Pittsburgh was tec- technically two overtime losses. Right. So. And it's like you lost two, you, you lose, but you got two of four points. It's kind yeah. of like exactly like wins and losses don't matter. The standings are decided by points. So. They are. However you get those points, as long as you get them, like obviously winning games, you got to do it at some point because you're not going to make the playoffs with 82 points. Yep. Looking at it now, the only team that they have the chance to not get a win against that might make the playoffs is Carolina, which they play again coming up. And that's why I'm saying if they beat the Islanders next week, because the Islanders and Carolina are each 1-0 against them, and both of which were in insanely close games. Right. Islanders, obviously, the one nothing where no one scored. And then the Carolina game that they blew late. Right. So, which was the first one that they really blew like that. Yeah. Uh, that in, set in off regulation. that skid of a couple of them. But. Right. And, well, and, and is kind of the beginning of, of what made everybody so miserable about last night's loss because it's been like, geez, they just keep doing this. And it's like, yeah, it's now happened. What? Like, since the end of December, it's now happened, what, like five times? Four or five, yeah. Yeah, So, which, like, they blew a third-period lead to, to Pittsburgh, but they also came back on Pittsburgh in that same game to yep. force overtime. They um, got their first comeback win in the third against Columbus just the other week, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've there's no doubt that the they, they've blown some third-period leads. Third period has been their worst period, and that's tough to do. You want to give me a real contender speech? It's hard winning games when your best period is the first or second period. The it, the thing that, that makes teams like Washington and Boston and Tampa Bay and St. Louis and Dallas so dangerous is because they are all at their best in the third. All of them. Yep. And that is the one thing. That and special teams are the one thing that separates Colorado from being truly elite, which they are not. Colorado is a very good hockey team that is deeply flawed. But this is, that is also true. You look around the West, and you can't say definitively that there is a team out West who is, without a doubt, better than Colorado. I mean, honestly, in the East even, too. Boston has two losses to Detroit. And <laughs> Colorado. Right, and Colorado always plays Boston well, and they're the team in the lead for the President's Trophy race right now. The I'm not afraid of any team if I'm the Avs. The scariest team in the league to me is Tampa Bay. Yeah, to me, it's Pittsburgh. So, guess what? If you're playing those teams, you're in the cup final. Right, right. If if the team that you're afraid of is in the Eastern Conference, it's like, that's fine. Yeah, you can live with that. And And looking through... You said, you know, the Avs have a win against every team in the playoffs from the East, except for uh, the Islanders and maybe Carolina. Same thing in the West. The only team they don't is Dallas, which they have multiple overtime losses against. Mm -hmm. They've beaten St. Louis twice. You also look at the thing with the Dallas. Consider when those games happened. Right. Two of those games happened when they were, uh, when they had that five-game losing streak right after the hot start. Right yep. when all the injuries happened and the offense completely disappeared for the entire team for like 10 days, two of those Dallas losses happened in that time frame. Right, exactly. So, and then the other two were one goal games that made it to overtime. And then 
you keep looking. Arizona, they have a win against Calgary. They've beaten twice. Edmonton, they've beaten once. Vancouver, they also have a win against Vegas. They've destroyed twice. So yeah. all of the playoff contenders are the Avs can and have beaten them. And the reality is that's what good teams do. Sure, they have a little bit of a roadblock with Dallas, which honestly is one I'm not that worried about. I think it's one they overcome pretty easily with a bit of puck luck, with goals that don't get scored by broken sticks and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm just not worried about any individual game. When you look at the big picture, the Avs beat good teams. Yep. And they're they're the third best team in the NHL on the road, and they're the best team in the West on the road. Yeah, this is a team that can go into Barnes and grab points, grab wins. Right, I'm feeling it's- good, man. I'm I'm still feeling good about this team. Uh, this loss was just their fourth regulation loss since 2020 began. That sounds right. There's only two in February. I know that for sure. Yeah, Phil, obviously Philadelphia. Uh, so Philadelphia, and then last night with Washington, um, the Rangers and the Islanders the night before, and that Western trip. Yep, because they went to OT with Pittsburgh and Dallas, and then, yep. yeah, the rest are wins. Yep. So that's pretty good. Um, Getting it done, man. Andre right. Barakovsky, getting it done. Straight Fine. up. Dude, I've, I've been very kind of like take a cautious approach to his next contract. Don't get too up about it, you know, be very smart, whatever. At this point, I'm like, just give him four years and $6 million and call it good. I mean, I'll take five, but I know you you prefer the shorter side. But Yeah, and, like, I'm actually excited to get into um, some of the summer shows because as the year has been going on, I've been doing a little bit of research along the way about why I feel that way now. Yeah. And I think that when we get into it, some of the numbers are going to be kind of interesting about the success rates of, contracts that span x number of certain lengths yeah yeah well certainly he's earned his six million over the the months of january and february burkowski has just been lights out you look at it uh actually i don't know why i have this in front of me but i do um nine points in 12 games in october 12 points in 12 games in november three points in 13 games in december nine points in nine games in january 10 points in seven games so far through February. December's the only reason he's not a point-per-game player. And December was a month where a lot of the Avs had lulls. Yeah. so I mean, Donskoy hasn't even bounced back from it yet. Right. Kad- Kadri did. Uh, but Donskoy is still kind of a no-show right now, and I think that's really hurting them, especially with Kadri out. We yep. need to see the Eunice Donskoy that we saw earlier this year. Straight up. The someone's got to step up and fill the void with Kadri gone, be it Donskoy, be it Landeskog, whoever. And I, that's the Evs' biggest problem right now. It's why you talked about potentially looking at a JG Pajot. I'm so certain it's on the Evs' mind as they move towards the trade deadline. So that's the next big question for them is how do they fill that void until he's back? And what makes this team a contender with Kadri back? And if they aren't already, which they are, but you know, the next step, how does this team get better at the deadline? And that is something that mm. we'll find out soon. Ten days. Ten days, exactly. Um, I'm sure we'll probably take some fan trades again next week, so send those in while you 
still can. You can hit him up, AJ, at thednvr.com, or you can find me at NathanRudo at thednvr.com. Uh, just send them to my Twitter if you can't figure out my email. I know it's weird. So, yeah, hit us up with your trade proposals again. We'll do something on that next week. And then on trade deadline day, I'm sure we'll have some kind of extravaganza, as we like to do, uh, watching some trades and, and probably making fun of other teams for doing dumb things because that's always fun. But, AJ, <laughs> final thoughts on the Avs here as as we move through Valentine's Day? Stadium Series tomorrow. Um can't be losing to bad teams, but given given the awkwardness of outdoor games and kind of yeah. the unpredictability of the ice surface, could be a pretty good equalizing factor. Uh, if uh, if it doesn't if if it's not great ice and the puck's bouncing all over the place, it's a good way to neutralize skill. Turns out being outside makes for some bad ice because it's sunny and it melts, or it's snowy and there's a bunch of snow on the ice. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, I was down there today uh, and it's uh, visually stunning. Everything else is going to be a little messy. Uh, it has the potential to be, I don't want to, I don't want to bury it before it takes place, but it definitely has the potential to be uh, kind of a, kind of a mess tomorrow. It's, it's always been the case with these stadium series games and you know, that's not just a Colorado thing. Oh, so, yeah. The experience is the point, not yeah. the quality of the hockey. 100%. So if you're going, enjoy the experience, enjoy the moment for sure. But, you know, the hockey is going to be what it's going to be. <laughs> Fair um, enough. That's all I got, I guess. So we are going to go ahead and get out of here on this Friday. If you're listening to this extremely early, head on down to Blake Street Tavern because that's where we will be in just about an hour after this podcast goes up so if you want to say hi or anything like that come on down yeah. i'm sure there will be a bunch of uh, other abs fans both in and out of state i know i i've said all the euros are coming over but i think we're getting some people from colorado as well didn't want to exclude y'all um but yeah come say hi and we'll have a good time i guess a euro only party yeah <laughs> exclusive yeah. Um, if you are from in-state and, you know, it's that time of year where taxes are a thing. You might want to hit up Symbio Tax and Administration to get the most out of your 2019 tax return. Symbio provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from a licensed professional. If you're afraid of your taxes, you can get a free consultation when you call Symbio Tax at 720-366-4470. And, you know, George is awesome as well. He's always interacting with us on Twitter. He shows up to our watch parties because he's a huge abs fan so we know him pretty well at this point and it's a lot more than taxes as well he can also assist you with rental properties small businesses investments and even understand all the credits and and all of that if you have specific tax needs so check him out today again the number is 720-366-4470 or go online and visit them at symbiotax.com that's s-y-m-b-i-o tax.com our avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. The MPR avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. The MPR avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo.